everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks for having me, and hopefully we can start again after I yelled this morning trying to find the lid to my <laughs> coffee mug. Yes, I'm in the I'm in the other back in our bedroom, and I was like, Laura, I come running. Where's I the lid? Where's the lid for my coffee mug? I'm like, oh, I was trying to get our kid to school. You know. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Just trying to get out the door in the morning. Some days that's tricky, right? Yeah. Yes. It's nice to always hang out for you an extra bonus half hour during the week. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we are in the Prairie Doc world heading back for our live television shows this week. Uh, Dr. Kelly Evans is going to be hosting on South Dakota Public Radio, South Dakota Public Television tomorrow night, and her, uh, her guest with her will be Dr. Jennifer Sue with Sanford Infectious Disease and Travel Medicine. And our topic in the Prairie Doc world this week is infectious disease. So, Dr. Ellsworth, what is infectious disease and or are infectious diseases, and why do we need to talk about them? Yeah, you know, the name kind of explains it, you know, things that are infectious that are spread from person to person. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's it's good for us to talk about, you know, there's a lot more to it than COVID, you know. <laughs> right. Infectious disease has affected uh, humans for millennia, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you think back in the dark ages and the Black Plague and the Bubonic Plague and, and all these things that they didn't really know what uh, was spreading it um, and 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 the advancements that we've made and the the way we've been able to extend people's lifespans by knowing that uh, that having a, a sewer system and having clean water and having uh, garbage collection and all these things are so huge and important and helpful to help keep us healthy Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and sh- and showering, mm-hmm. <laughs> and hygiene, mm-hmm. you know all these things that uh, that were huge advancements. Milk pasteurization, um, the list goes on and on. That that uh, that we kind of take for granted now, or certainly in a uh, first world country. Right, right, yeah. A lot of things we don't even have to think about anymore. That um, used to be really life-threatening for a lot of families and individuals and um, And even a hundred years ago, I mean, when when, uh, the Spanish flu was going around, they they didn't really know what viruses were yet then. They didn't, they were trying, they were starting to see under a microscope various bacteria. And for a while there were different bacteria that they thought were the cause of the, the flu when in fact it was a virus. Now, sometimes people came down with bacterial pneumonias because of the first getting sick from the influenza virus 
Okay. But uh, it, uh, I've read about that recently, and it was fascinating how what we've even learned, certainly in the last hundred years. Yeah. Uh, I have to go way back to like high school biology to think about that. But if I remember right, bacteria is larger, so you can see it in the micro. Is that true? They are. T- they are typically so larger. They could see those yep. maybe before they were seeing viruses. Or and bacteria. I mean, I, I'm not a virologist. Sure. I'm not a <laughs> microbiologist. Um, but I think of them as a little bigger and able to live on their own, where okay. viruses need a host. Oh, okay. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to be talking more about infectious diseases this morning and also happy to answer any medical questions that our listeners have this morning. We love it when you call in early with your questions, so we make sure we have time to discuss those. Uh, So now is a great time to give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Did you know that someone in the United States has a heart attack every 40 seconds? A heart attack happens when a part of the heart muscle doesn't get enough blood. You might hear a heart attack called an MI, or myocardial infarction. The more time that passes without treatment to restore blood flow, the greater the damage to the heart muscle. If you have pain in your chest, call for help. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. So this morning we are talking about infectious diseases and uh, lots to talk about when we come to that. It looks like you have something on the tip of your tongue. Go ahead. I do. Okay. L- Lydia, our daughter, asked us a question recently. Remember what it was? Yes, I did. I was thinking about that this morning as well. She said, what is the most deadly animal? Yeah. We, we play a lot of trivia around our house. <laughs> uh, what is the most deadly animal? And so we had to follow up with questions like, is it a mammal? Is it... Uh, reptile and she tells no it's an insect yes the mosquito yeah yeah Yeah, that fits with infectious disease too yeah it made sense once she said we weren't coming up with it but absolutely you know causing malaria being one of the biggest killers Um, another example of turns out it's from this um, uh, the plasmodium species the uh, mosquito transmits Mm mm-hmm um, and so another prime example of something we uh, have think we can thank public health and, uh, and, and advancements in infectious disease and understanding. Granted, it's still a problem, mm-hmm. um, but at least now you know if you're going to a country where malaria is endemic, mm-hmm. you might want to take an anti-malarial medication or at least get you know, ahead of time, ideally. Uh, explain that more. So you said it's a medication. So it's something you take like a pill? Or yeah, you can take a, a pill while you're in the country to help uh, prevent it in the first place. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about travel and when we are going to be traveling, especially out of the country, what we need to do to think about infectious diseases that we may encounter in different places, uh, such as malaria. Yeah. What do you recommend 
to well, listeners. Certainly a nice option is to, to see your doctor and, and maybe have a travel consult where they can help guide you through what vaccinations might you need or even are required mm-hmm. for the country. Um, what medications you might uh, want to take or if the, if malaria is there or other things that are going on. Um, maybe you want to have some prescription on hand just to ha- to take in case you get traveler's diarrhea or mm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's things like that can, that can be handy and, and uh, to have with you ahead of time that you could find out from a travel consult. You can go to the CDC website and go to the specific country that you're going to and it'll list the various maybe vaccines that are required or things that would be recommended as well. And then and, and then you have a better idea going into a visit what, what you need done. Okay. Yeah, some people might not be aware. So if you are going to be traveling out of the country, you can um, just call the cl- your clinic wherever you are and schedule a travel consult to help. Uh, a typhoid vaccine or, or medication might be recommended. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something we don't think of around here as much. Um, and uh, like I said, an anti-malarial medication, um, a yellow fever vaccination is required in some places. Um, some other things that we don't require or usually do here because we don't need to worry about it. Mm-hmm. But if you're going somewhere else, it becomes an issue. Got it. I like that idea, too, of some preventative just have some things with you just in case you might encounter, like you said, the, what do you call it? Traveler's diarrhea. Is that what you called it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. that you just are prepared for some of those things as our bodies get used to different foods and water and all those things too. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be where, you know, we're used to our water and they're mm-hmm. used to their water. Right. And so it, it, you know, sometimes people can get traveler's diarrhea coming here even too. Sure. You know, if they're just not used to it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just kind of all those changes. So that's a good recommendation. Well, we did have a question that just came in, Dr. Ellsworth. Um, the caller wants to know, what are normal blood sugar levels for someone who has diabetes? So if someone has diabetes, what are we um, considering for normal blood sugar levels? So a, a normal fasting blood sugar level, when you haven't eaten anything for you know 8, 12 hours, in someone that doesn't have diabetes is going to be, we usually say 80 to 120. Okay. So maybe even 80 to 110. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have diabetes, it's, you know, can tend to get higher, easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a fasting blood sugar, then, you know, 125 and above is, is, is the diagnosis for diabetes on a fasting blood sugar. Now, it could still be lower than that or normal if, if it's mild or under good control. You know, certainly um, it's nice to see them less than 150, mm-hmm. kind of shooting for those mid to low 100s would be a nice level. Okay. Um, if someone's blood sugars are not well controlled, mm-hmm. it, you know, they can certainly go up in the 200s, 300s, 400s, mm. um, which, which we don't want. Mm-hmm. Now, normally when someone that doesn't have diabetes, that has a pancreas that is functioning well and, and they're responding to insulin well, um, the body eats, the blood sugars start to go up, the body starts making insulin to help bring the blood sugars down. When you have diabetes, either your pancreas is not making enough insulin or your body's not responding to the insulin as well. Um, And 
And so then your blood sugars would be higher after eating. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you have diabetes, we may allow it to be a little higher after eating or that you just know that it's going to go a little higher after eating. But we, we don't want it to go too high or, or be high for very long. And so some medications might help to um, blunt that mm-hmm. or help your body make more insulin or help your body respond to the insulin. Um, or uh, help your body urinate out, pee out your extra blood sugar. Mm. You know, and our, normally if you get so high, sometimes you start peeing out extra blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how they first discovered diabetes. You know, they, they found that some of these people had sweet tasting urine. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it smelled, smelled sweet and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so they, and they were urinating frequently. That can be a sign of diabetes, frequent urination, because your body's getting rid of this extra sugar by peeing it out. Well, they're getting dehydrated then. Mm-hmm. And they're w- sometimes losing weight and wasting away because they're not holding on to the sugar with insulin. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I answered the question. Yeah. Yeah. I can keep talking about it. But yeah, no, yeah. it's it is fascinating. Um, as I've been asking questions of all of you Prairie Docs over the last couple of years to learn about diabetes and how aware people with diabetes need to be, and they are of their bodies and their blood sugar levels and what they're eating, and it's very impressive how they ha- just tune in to all of that and kind of are forced are forced to really, and thankful for some technology that helps assist them in some of this now as well. Absolutely. I mean, certainly in, in my little over decade of being in medicine, uh, that uh, it's been great seeing the advancements in these insulin pumps mm-hmm. and in continuous glucose monitors where, where now if they ever want to know what blood sugar it is, they just pull out their phone and check it quick mm-hmm. and it's already you know it's attached to them and and then they can see what it is uh e- very easily and mm-hmm. that gives them insight and feedback right away it's like oh when i eat a donut it goes higher than if i eat some almonds or whatever you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. it's uh it's 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 it that's been really helpful to help give people the feedback the information they needed to help uh keep their diabetes under better control. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. Uh, I see we have another question that just came in. I love it. So if uh, there are other questions that you have that you would like Dr. Ellsworth and I to answer this morning, you can give us a call now at 605-692-1430, with any medical questions you would like us to address. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Our programs will be available as a podcast soon. Just look for the Prairie Doc on your podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. We are living in a stressful time as we deal with the global pandemic. The following are some tips to help your emotional health. Fuel your body by eating a healthy, well-balanced diet and drinking plenty of water. Aim to get seven to eight hours of sleep each night. Exercise every day. Take deep breaths and stretch often. Avoid risky or destructive behaviors such as abusing alcohol or drugs, excessive gambling, or ignoring public health recommendations. 
spend time outside, such as going for a walk in a park, but follow social distancing guidelines. If you feel overwhelmed by the emotional pressures, reach out to family, friends, or your medical provider. This tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. At the beginning of the program today, we mentioned that our Prairie Doc topic this week is infectious diseases. And we spent a little time talking about that. And it looks like we have a bit of a follow-up question when it comes to infectious diseases. Uh, this caller said during World War II, a listener's uncle came back from the South Pacific with yellow skin from quinine. What was that used for then? And is it in use today? And what for? What do you know about this, Dr. Ellsworth? Well, you know, in... That's the thing about being put on the spot uh, every time. I'm, I'm realizing now that with this question that I might have called malaria being caused by bacteria, and I should have said parasite. Oh. Yeah, well, the Plasmodium species is a parasite, okay. not, a, not a bacteria. All right. And, and so this quinine can be, was, was used and, and, and could still be used uh, to treat the parasite that causes malaria, the Plasmodium um, falciparum. And uh, so... You know, so the quinine was a treatment. It was a medicine treatment. Okay, yep. mm-hmm. for yep. malaria, an antiparasite for malaria. Okay, yeah, All and right. apparently maybe caused, could have caused some some yellow yellowing, um, some jaundice, I suppose. Sure. Um, uh, maybe if it caused a little bit of liver damage, it could cause some cause some jaundice. Um, maybe it was just a side effect. I, I'm not as familiar deeply with that, but sure, could, I'd look it up. You'd look it if, up if it was an issue. Do you happen to know is quinine still used um, today, or do we use other? Not as much. I think okay. we use some. You know, we use some other medications more typically. Sure. But uh, um, certainly, it was was an option. It was nice to have them. Right. Right. All right. When we do consider infectious diseases, the labs that we now have access to in the hospital and the clinic are an important role to help us understand what is being spread, what is causing this illness. Could you talk us through a little bit what we what we use the labs for today and how they help you in diagnosis of infectious diseases? What's being tested and how does that work? Um, so there's a variety of things the lab does. Mm-hmm. Um, you I know, think on the front end, most of us just know we're handing over either a cup of urine or a little yeah. sample of blood, and then we don't really know what happens. <laughs> like, yeah. what what are we? Yeah. What is happening with that? They do a variety of things. You know, when someone draws blood, they do draw different vials of blood that they mm-hmm. can run in different ways, and that they spin down some of them to be able to do this one test, or they add a l- reagent to it to do another test. Um, you know, sometimes they'll do a lot of blood culture and 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 spread the blood on on a a, a plate mm-hmm. uh, with an agar or some sort of um, substance that helps bacteria grow, and then they can see if there's certain bacteria growing out of that blood, and so a blood culture. 
mm-hmm. or a year in culture. And so those take some time to grow. And uh, usually we'll, they'll check it back after a day or two and fi- up to five days usually to allow this stuff to grow. And then that way they can um, then test that bacteria, see what it is, and see if it's sensitive or resistant to certain antibiotics or medicines. Um, and so, because, you know, there's some some bacteria that have grown now re, um, resistant to certain antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And so that's another way that those blood cultures and urine cultures can be helpful too, to identify the bacteria and to uh, the infection and to identify which medications are still going to work for that. Okay. Yeah. Right. But there's a, there's so many other things the lab can do. Too, yeah. You know, right. and, and, and it depends on the lab and some can do more than others, but sure. it's a wonderful advancement that we have the ability to do these tests. That's for sure. Right. Yes. Another question for you is tuberculosis still present in South Dakota and what is tuberculosis? Yeah, it's uh, TB mm-hmm. is a, uh, bacteria (laughs) that can uh, get an infection in the lungs and Mm -hmm. it can sit there for a long long time too um, and then and then start to become active later Um, and so a person can have it sometimes without knowing it um, and until later they start having lung issues or coughing or or show something on an x-ray and so since we're moving around all the time and some people travel to areas where TB is more active or um, coming from areas that where TB is more active, tuberculosis, or um, have immunocompromised conditions on a medicine that hurts the immune system, then that can make a person more susceptible to getting TB or for the TB to reactivate. And so it is something we still watch for. Still certainly not common whatsoever, mm-hmm. thankfully, in our area, but something we have to watch for and look for and, and often regularly test healthcare workers for too. Um, so we have to get a TB test every every couple of years uh, with a little, they put put a little bit under your skin and see if it reacts if it makes a big mark to show that you might have TB. I don't think I knew that. You, <laughs> you So medical workers get tested regularly for TB. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And why medical workers, but not everyone else? Because we're coming into contact with people all the time, so we're higher risk. Okay. Is yep. there any yep. other? And then or if someone before they start, uh, sometimes before they start a medication, or uh, some sort of treatment that might hurt their immune system. And we wouldn't want TB to activate Mm. in them. And so sometimes they have to be tested for TB before they can, um, or screened for TB before they can um, have that medicine or before they start it. Okay, fascinating. All right, well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We have just a few minutes left. If you want to call in with a question, call us now at 605-692-1430, 605-692-1430. 
1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Hospice is medical care designed to maximize comfort and quality of life for patients facing terminal illnesses. Hospice provides pain management, emotional support, help with family care, and spiritual care to the patient and their family when a cure is not possible. Brookings Health System employs a caring team of professionals and volunteers sensitive to the changing needs of patients and family members during this difficult time. To find out more about hospice in the Brookings, South Dakota area, call 696-9000 or talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here answering our medical questions. We have just a couple minutes left. If you want to give us a call at 605-692-1430, 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is infectious diseases. So we're putting Dr. Ellsworth in the hot seat, asking him about all these uh, diseases that are hopefully, for the most part, around Um, here, diseases from the past, right? Yeah, or that we rarely, if ever, see. And so I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone, especially since... I'm filling in this week, and, and the host is actually Dr. Evans, yes. and uh, and she'll have an expert with her there, infectious disease expert, but and it's been good to draw back from my training uh, years ago on some of this. So Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it is, I really enjoy reading historical fiction, and uh, it is fun when you get to learn more about the science behind some of these diseases that you otherwise just get introduced to a little bit through historical fiction. Dr. Evans was on last week and I was asking her about blood poisoning that my book was mentioning and she explained sepsis to us and all of that. So it is interesting. And as you, as I'm reading about women maybe in labor and uh, how you kind of hold your breath every time, like, is this baby going to be okay? Is this mother going to be okay? Uh, As you're reading this historical fiction and nowadays we don't worry quite so much about, it's not, it's not expected that um, there'll be complications and things. Yeah. And I was thinking too, as as preparing for today, as you go through cemeteries, yeah. right? And you see all these babies that are ch- children who have little stones um, from 100, 200, you know, long ago, all these children that passed away from viruses and uh, infectious diseases that we don't have to worry about today uh thanks to public health measures yeah they they think that you often would have 12 kids because half of them weren't going to make it and you needed insurance to help take care uh, they were your insurance to help take care of you and your mm-hmm. when you got older and to work the farm and right right yeah dr evans essay this week uh can be found in the brookings monday's brookings register and many other newspapers or online uh, at prairiedoc.org. And in her essay this week, she talks about uh, the history of public health efforts and the understanding of germ theory and other things and how that's infe- affected our overall public health. You know, when we talk about children, um, we were just talking about the children, polio, measles, smallpox, tetanus. You know, now those are extremely rare thanks to vaccines. Vaccines, yeah. Right. 
Uh, so when we think about public health and uh, infectious diseases moving forward, what do you think are some of the most important things we can think about as a community, as a state, as a country, when we want to keep our population healthy and uh, moving forward? Yeah, we, we have to remember not to leave people behind. Mm. I'd say is the number one thing that, you know, it, 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 by helping everyone in a lot of these situations, we help, we help everyone. Mm -hmm. And if we don't help take care of everyone's garbage, Mm -hmm. uh, then there's going to be too much garbage around and, and, and it, it hurts all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, we could maybe wall up in our little compounds that you see in some of these countries, but, uh, the issue it, it affects everyone and when we want uh, clean water we need to help get clean water for everyone mm. and uh and that's and that's where the vaccines aren't going to be as effective if everyone isn't getting them mm-hmm. and that's why some of those childhood vaccinations thankfully we don't see these things and the, none of those vaccinations are 100 per- vaccinations are 100 mm. percent either a lot of them are in the upper 90s as far as how well they work but but they work essentially 100% because enough people are vaccinated and have herd immunity to protect everyone. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's, you know, there's getting to be some pockets where we see mumps and or measles and, you know, or, you know, things could pop up and, and, and ha- do periodically. And so uh, we still got to be on our guard and, and uh, help everyone out. Mm-hmm. We're all connected, aren't we? All connected. Yeah. And we've certainly been learning that uh, these past couple years with the coronavirus, haven't we? That we are all connected. Even if something feels far away, everything's connected. Well, it is time for us to wrap up today. Before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This week on Thursday, March 24th, Prairie Doc host Kelly Evans will discuss preventing and treating infectious diseases with Dr. Jennifer Sue with Sanford Infectious Disease and Travel Medicine. So tune in tomorrow night on SDPB television. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.